Today is the 11th of April, 2022. So we set ourselves on training these minds of ours each day. And we see that if we don't train these minds, if they don't have wisdom, then we'll always have suffering. And we need to get born again. And it's because we still have wrong view. It's wrong view as the cause of suffering. And so suffering just carries on arising without stop. And then we go between birth and death, birth and death in the cycle of samsara. When there is still the presence of defilement in the mind, then these will drive us to create kama. And then when we create kama, there's the results of that kama that appear. And these then push the defilements on even more. And so there's the cycle of defilements, kamma, and the vipaka kamma, the results of that kamma. And so we create um, this kamma, and then there's the results that come up. If it's good kamma, then it's good results. If it's bad kamma, then it's bad results. And this we just carry on doing this, cycling between birth and death without stop, always caught in the cycle of samsara. And it's been going on for such a long time, we can't find a beginning to it. Even the Buddha who had such great knowledge, he wasn't able to find the beginning of samsara. And if we still have these defilements, then we will still be producing karma and we'll still be receiving the results of that karma. And so we'll have to get born again. And when will that ever end? You won't, can't find an end to it. And so there's just suffering going on and on without stop. We train our minds in meditation in order to look after them, in order to make them better like cultivating mindfulness so that it's strong, establishing samadhi. And these then can become the factors of awakening, these seven bojankas. So there's this mindfulness, this recollection, sati, there's upeka, equanimity, there's pasadi, this peace of mind or serenity, this pity, this feeling of inner fullness or contentment, and virya, our effort, our persistence. And there's also dhamma vijaya, this investigation, analysis into dhamma. So there are seven of these uh, factors of awakening. And perhaps we've read about them, we've studied them. But when peace comes up in our mind, then those factors for awakening <coughs> are contained there within that peace. There's joy which arises, and this can come up to the degree of a bojanga, of a factor uh, of awakening. If we're not allowing the mind to get into liking or disliking, um, then this is upeka, this is equanimity factor of awakening. 
And if we have this intent, the sincerity to abandon uh, demeritorious deeds and to give rise to meritorious deeds, then this is virya, this is effort. And sometimes we contemplate into the Dhamma so that a sense of uh, chastened disillusionment and peace arises. And this is Dhamma Vijaya. So like we can contemplate into the nature of our lives and how people are born into this world, and we see how sometimes wars come up and people flee from those war zones in order to find a refuge. And so we call these people refugees. And they go into refugee camps. And these are places for people to find temporary shelter. They have food, they have water, and there's lodging there, but it's just a temporary place. And maybe when they fled from their country, they took some possessions with them, maybe some gold with them. Perhaps some of this has been stolen or cheated from them, and maybe they get to keep some of it in order to establish their lives anew in this new place. So refugees, they have this feeling that they don't have their own home. They don't have their own place to stay. They're not citizens of that country. They don't really belong there yet. And so there's a lot of suffering there. And perhaps they get taken in by a good family if they've got the merit for that and their suffering is reduced somewhat. But we should reflect to understand that everyone in this world is a refugee. We've been born into this world and we don't have a temporary place to stay. Perhaps we stay in a large house or a small house, and that depends upon our merits, depends upon our mindfulness and wisdom. If we study well, then we can get knowledge and we can make our lives better. But we shouldn't be heedless, because old age, sickness and death is coming towards us every single day. And then when we need to leave, when we need to flee from this world, where are we going to go? We don't know. And if we don't have merit, then what kind of a new life are we going to get? Where are we going to escape to? And perhaps we may fall to a lower state, fall into hell or into a hungry ghost realm, in a surugaya or an animal realm where there's these places where it's filled with suffering. Or maybe we get born as a human again, and that's better than these places. And if we have a lot of merit, we may go up to be born as a deva. But in order to become a deva, one needs the qualities of a deva, of a heavenly being. And these are hiri and otapa, so a sense of, of skillful, uh, shame and fear in wrongdoing. But really everyone here is a refugee. This world is a gigantic refugee camp. We see that people flee from wars in order to find a place which is better. And so for us, 
why don't we try to find a, a realm, a life, which is better? If we just follow our kama, and just leave it up to our kama and just go along with that, that's really a dangerous situation. That's scary. But when we see the drawbacks in the cycle of sangsara, and that all life needs to end in death, and how we just stay here temporary, and then we understand that all of us are just refugees here. All of us must get old, we must grow sick, we must die, and no one can escape from this. So with things being this way, we need to find a place of refuge. We don't stay in this world for a long time, and when we leave, where are we going to go? When we have a belief in the teachings of the Buddha, then we understand that when we pass away, we get born again, due or following the karma that we've made. If that's good karma, we go to a good place. If it's bad karma, we go to a bad place. So we should try to only create good karma. And whatever we've done in the past, whether our actions have been good, whether they haven't, we should just put that all down now and start anew and try to only create good deeds from now on through our body, through our speech and through our mind. So Venerable Ajahn Chah, he taught that on the one pra, on the lunar observ observance days that fall um, once a week, that these are days for us to compose our body, speech, and mind, to gain a better sense of restraint over them. And that's especially so for the laity, to use these days for that purpose, in order to improve um, our acts of body, speech, and mind, so that they become better than they were before. If we don't put effort into training our minds, if we just allow them to follow kama and the course of kama, then they'll just fall lower and lower. The energy in our mind gets sapped and the quality of our mind steadily reduces. So therefore we need to train these minds so that they do get better. We listen to the Dhamma like we are doing now and we chant, we sit in meditation. We train with a standing, walking, sitting, lying down, having a lot of mindfulness there. And we don't know, it's unsure, whether when we reach the age of 80, whether we'll still be here or not. And perhaps uh, we won't be. If we still are around at the age of 80, that means that we've got a lot of merit. But there are many people who die before that. So we should put in our efforts, doing walking meditation, sitting meditation, chanting, cultivating our minds. And when we're going through our day, engaging in our work, then we try to train our minds along with that as well. Try to keep them here in the present moment as much as we can. And we can gain clarity of vision, of knowledge, if we do that and seeing how all physical and mental things, they all change. 
You're just a heap of uh, impermanence and stress and not self. And there's nothing temp there's nothing permanent here. It's all just arising and ceasing. But why is it that all of us, having been born, we've seen so many people get old and sick and die, but we don't reflect on that. We don't think how I too am of the nature to be like that. We're so delighted in the things of this world, and that delight obstructs our vision. Perhaps we become aware of this when we're 50 or 60 or 70 years old, and then we forget it again, and then we become aware of it on our deathbeds. So we shouldn't be heedless in these lives of us, really establishing ourselves in creating a lot of goodness, to do this a lot, develop it a lot, train ourselves a lot, be creating merit each day through our offerings of alms, through, through our offering of chanting, of practicing the Dhamma, listening to the Dhamma, and filling up our minds with joy. And sometimes, perhaps, if we're cooking, then we can be meditating while we're doing that. We can be chanting Itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha, while we're doing that, or while we're cleaning our house, houses are going about cleaning the monastery. We can be practicing too. We shouldn't just abandon our mindfulness. We shouldn't allow our minds to go thinking about this and that, uh, proliferating and um, kind of making things up because there won't be any peace there. And when we do those activities, then we'll be getting merit from that. But if we don't have mindfulness, if we're not practicing, then we won't be getting skillfulness, kusala. But if we're meditating while engaging in those activities, then we do get skillfulness as well. And so we should really do it. And for myself, I was practicing like all of us are now. And then one day, I contemplated while listening to the Dhamma, and there was a great clarity of understanding which arose. My mind gathered together, and it's like it flipped over and awakened. and could see all the things in this world as just being conventions, that even I was a convention. My mind became bright, and filled with joy. I didn't feel hungry at all, because I felt like I was filled up with this merit. It was like a kind of a, a heavenly food. And joy can arise with great strength like this, to the point where it stays for three days and three nights. And you could see all things arising and ceasing. And this is jnana, this knowledge appearing. And you could see houses and buildings, even monasteries, they were constantly arising and ceasing. And like this hall we're in now, that we know that it has its own lifespan, and that in a certain amount of time, maybe a hundred years, then it's going to fall apart. And but do we see that happening here in the present moment? And do we see that arising and ceasing right now? But when we do see that, then we know for ourselves that oh, these things, they're just temporary. They're not stable, they don't last. They come and go like this. And this is jnana, this vipassana jnana arising. 
this clarity of knowledge, of insight, and seeing clearly like this. And then I understood that all of us here in this world, that it's just not right, it's not appropriate to carry on being delighted by this world, that I need to find a way out, and that this way of practice um, is that way that will take me out. And so there was a lot of energy there and this uh, factor of awakening, of pity, of joy came up. This effort was there to keep the precepts, to meditate, and great fullness and contentment in the heart through seeing the Dhamma. And when we experience this, then there's a lot of sincerity in practicing and not being heedless. Perhaps we may study the scriptures, and that's good, but we should also contemplate what we've studied as well, so that the Dhamma arises within our, in our own minds, and we should be heedful. And if we do that, then we can gain an understanding into the Dhamma, and the practice then becomes easier. But it requires a Effort. Oh, sorry, when, when we reach that point, then um, effort just kind of comes up by itself. We don't feel lazy. And we have our intention there because we have our goal. And just like how when the monks ordain, uh, they chant Sapat Dukkha Nisarana Nipana Sachikaranataya that we ordain, we take on these robes for the purpose of realizing Nibbāna. So therefore, all of us, having been born into this life, we take that as our goal. And the purpose of this life is to realize Nibbāna, to reduce the number of births and deaths that we have to go through, so there's no eighth birth. And if we don't reach that point, then we have to just keep on going and going, and it's a very dangerous situation to be in. If we haven't um, attained to any higher state, then we don't have protection. So we need to close off these lower realms. We need to destroy these three lower fetters of self-view and skeptical doubts, attachments to rites and rituals. We need to change our wrong views into right views. So may you be sincere in this, in walking this path of sila, samadhi, panya, virtue, collectedness and wisdom, and have confidence in this way. Really be intent on practicing, because the time that we have left is very little. Our teacher is still here with us, he still has life. And so if we have any doubts, we can go and ask him, because he is still breathing. And we may think that we can get these answers from the scriptures, and the scriptures are right, what they say is right, but if our barami is not enough, then we won't be able to practice correctly in accordance with them. And so our teacher is still here. So we shouldn't just kind of practice some and be lazy some, not practice some. Instead, we should be heedful. So may all of you set your hearts on this. <laughs>